little over a year ago, um, I think it may have been our last service outside, wasn't it? We head outside. Uh, we ordained Tim and Shannon on a gooseneck trailer in a parking lot out there last year. And, uh, you know, there's a big difference between ordained and licensed. Anybody can be licensed, but to be ordained by, by us, you have to be sent out. Does that make any sense? There's only, there's only, the only instances in the Bible of ordination are when people are sent out from that place to another place. And they are sent out from the Christian church at Minden, and they, they minister all over the state and in Texas as well and all, all over the world. She went to Africa. Um, but, um, but they're ours. So therefore, we get to tap into that, that, that knowledge and the spiritual things that, that, that they carry in their ministry because it's also part of ours. So let's just, let's just give a warm round of applause for Shannon Brooks. Hey, y'all. I love you guys. You know, this whole diabetes thing, I gotta tell you, one day uh, we were getting ready, it was probably about six years ago, we were getting ready to do a healing conference around Baton Rouge. And uh, three days out, I started having symptoms of a bladder infection. And uh, it progressively got worse. And so, you know, I was azoing and drinking everything I could put my hands on. You ladies can understand, right? And the pain just steady got worse. And I remember two days out, a day out, and Tim was like, look, <laughs> you better go to the doctor because I ain't being the one that's preaching Friday night, okay? And so I finally decided, you know, okay, I'm going to bite the bullet and go, right? And so, you know, uh, it was just typical visit. I thought, you know, give them a sample and they come back and they'll prescribe me some antibiotics. I know the drill, right? And so she comes back in the office and she says, do you have diabetes in your family? Well, you know, all that stuff, all that generational stuff is gone as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't apply to me anymore. See, I, I, don't, I don't live there. I don't receive it. I don't look at it, okay? And so I'm like, nope. She says, well, there's sugar in your urine. And at the level that it is, it's like 99% sure that it's diabetes. You know, and my flesh just kind of cringed, right? I stopped breathing for a second. But I had trained my spirit man so well that what came out of my mouth was, oh, no, I ain't got time for that. It surprised me. Oh, come on, y'all. It's time for us to train our spirit to take over and control our flesh. And she looked at me like if I was half crazy, and she said, what do you mean? You're not going to take any tests? I said, oh, I'm going to take your tests, but I don't have time for that. And so I remember going home, and uh, I went out into my prayer shed, and man, and I was snotting and crying. It was pathetic, y'all. Oh, God. Oh, you're sending me to do this healing conference, and now I'm sick. How can I do this? How can I serve you? This doesn't make any sense. Woo! Y'all, this is, this is live. This is terrible. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the presence of God came in the room. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but when the presence of God just kind of washes in, you kind of shut up. And I saw this huge angel standing there. And I was like, 
okay, Lord, what's going on? Still with the stuff coming off my face, right? And he said, is that how you're going to act? Well, yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, I was kind of thinking that was how I was going to act. And I said, you know what? No, I'm not going to act like that. I said, devil, what right do you have to afflict me? What blatant sin is there in my life? I'm taking you to court right now. Come on. I got an advocate. You show me the evidence. Come on, y'all. A blatant sin in my life where I've opened a door for you to come in and afflict me with anything. And I'll repent before the Lord and you're still going to get cast out. But right now, I challenge you to show me the evidence. And you know what happened? Nothing. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm delivering you today. And I'm sending that angel with you to deliver others this weekend. And then what I did is I got up off the floor and I kept praying and I kept petitioning and I, you know, and I kept freaking out about, no, that's not what I did. It's either done or it's not done. It's either all true or none of it's true, man. I got up and I said, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, I'm healed. And I didn't wait for the doctor to call me. I said, you know what? I ain't even waiting on you. I called them and I said, give me my results. Come on. The doctor wouldn't even come on the line. She put her nurse practitioner on the line after she said she was the one that had to give me the results. She put her nurse practitioner on the line. She said, oh, Miss Brooks, you don't have any. Everything's negative. I'm like, yeah, I know. Amen. Come on, y'all. But what did we say this morning, man? It was just such an on-time word, right? To abide means not to yield to the enemy. Don't yield to him. Don't look at that junk. Is it there? Yeah, okay. It's a smoke screen. If you receive it, you get it. You have what you say. I don't have nothing against doctors. I don't have nothing against medication. But I'm telling you, we come into a time, we're coming to a point in history where the glory of God is coming on the earth. And we're either going to walk circumspectly or we're not. It's either all true or none of it's true. I'm not mad at y'all. That's just how I just normally yell. I get excited. So a couple of days ago, um, the Lord dropped this, this story in my heart. And I began to ponder it. Uh, I wasn't reading it. It just showed up, right? And I began to ponder this story in Matthew 25. It's the parable of the talents. And as I began to think about it, the Lord began to show me some things that I hadn't seen in this story. And then, of course, you know, yesterday, Pastor Paul asked if I would come and share something with you guys. And so as I looked to the Holy Spirit, he was like, well, that's what I've been talking to you about. So I feel like this is a word for you. I'm not sure if it'll be refreshing or encouraging. Hallelujah. But it is what it is because, you know, I am who I am in him. Amen. So let's go to Matthew 25 and read this story. This starts at, at verse 14. I'm going to put my glasses on so I don't mess this up. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, 
to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents, and likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he had received five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered, me to, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the, your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, Father, I thank you for your word today, God. And, Lord, I just I pray today, God, that... This word would be a word of encouragement, Lord, that it, it would be a word of refreshing for your people, God, that it, that it would provoke them to be everything that you've called them to be in Jesus' name. So Matthew 25 has three parables. Uh, it's got the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, and the parable of the sheep and the goats. And all three of those parables are connected in a way, and, and we're not going to talk about all three of them, so don't freak out. Okay, but I do want to kind of focus on this one and I'll tell you toward the end what the connection is that the Lord showed me. So in the parable of the talents, it's a story, right? And all of the stories that Jesus told were intended to provoke us to find a hidden meaning in them. What exactly was he talking about? A lot of them were culturally related, but even now as we read these stories, we read these parables, the Holy Spirit comes and he reveals little things to us, right? That provoke us to change, that provoke us to go deeper in the things of the Lord, that provoke us to search our own hearts and our own spirits, to say, what are you speaking to me through this personally, right? And so keeping in mind that this parable is all about the kingdom of heaven, how does it apply to us today? How do we find ourselves in this story today, in our walk with the Lord? Good question. I'm glad you asked. So there were three servants, and they were given things of value. Now, different translation render it differently. Talents, gold bags... I don't know, there's, there's several different translations of what was given, but inherently it's something that was of value, right? And as I begin to look at that thing, you know, and, and I've heard a lot of preaching on this parable and what that's supposed to represent. 
And most people will preach on it and say, well, it represents the giftings and anointings in your life, right? That's the valuable thing. But the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and say, what if that's not what I was talking about? What if the things that are of real value to me are the things that only you as an individual can give, can share? What if the things that are real, of real value in your life are the things that I have appointed unto you to do and to speak forth to increase my kingdom? What if your talent was a testimony of your salvation? What if your talent is the ability to have compassion? What if your talent is, is that intercessory prayer? What if your talent is just simply to be able to relate to people on a level that they can understand? What if your talent has nothing to do with quoting scripture, but living Jesus and demonstrating him? What if everything that he's given to you that has any kind of revelation of who he is, any kind of wisdom or understanding of who he is becomes that thing that's so valuable in you that you're compelled to share it to increase the kingdom. Does that make sense? Because what we do is we focus on these things that are out of our reach. And he's saying, but there's something valuable in each one of you. At the moment of salvation, he comes and he indwells. That in itself means there's a talent. Come on. There's a talent right there. Something happened in your life that changed you forever. It's enough to talk about. It's enough to share. I remember when I got saved, me and my mom and, and uh, my grandfather, my kids, my husband, we all got saved around the same time. And I remember my sister saying, something's different about you guys. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise God, right? She says, no, no, no. Y'all, there's, there's this joy. Come on. There's this joy I've never seen on your life before. What is that? I want that. It was a talent. It was something of value. Come on, y'all. That was transferred in the spirit upon salvation. It was something the Lord said, I'm going to use that to build my kingdom. Why? Because she said, I want that thing. Come on, y'all. I want that thing. Stop overcomplicating the gospel. She said, I see the joy on you. How do I get that? And I said, sit down. Let's talk. And then I started quoting John 3. No, I didn't. I said, listen, I don't know about this stuff. I'm not sure. But all I know is I'm not who I used to be. All I know is I went to church and I was broken. Come on. And something supernatural happened. I, I don't think that's a direct quote from the Bible, y'all. But it was powerful enough for her to say, I'm coming. I'm coming. I want that. There's something of value that's in you. It's intended to be put to use. God already knew when he put it in you that he would match it. See, for every talent he gave, he didn't expect them to, he said, I'm going to give you two, go out and make 20. No, he was happy that they just used what he gave them. All they did is use what he gave them. 
He gave him five. Boom, there's five. He just wants you to do something. There's something in you. I'm, I, I just yell, y'all. I'm sorry. I get excited. There's something in us. We didn't get saved to come sit in here. We didn't get saved to just go, oh, I got joy in my life and I'm not telling nobody why. Oh, I'm good. My checkbook look good because I tithe. There's a lost world out there. There's, there's a bunch of dying people out there that have no hope for anything. And it's presumptuous of us that God would give us something that's so inherently valuable to his kingdom. Come on. Don't start thinking about the end of the story. Amen, brother. Amen, right? What are we going to do with that? How accountable are we going to be for that? Maybe it's just your testimony of salvation. Maybe it's just like, let me tell you this, because it's radical sometimes, y'all. My salvation experience was radical. Can you tell? What if it's just your ability to love beyond reason? The thing about it is, is that talent that's in you is transferable. It's meant to be transferable. What is it in you that everybody else is missing out on? Even in here. Because you're not sharing it. Come on. Because you've yielded to the enemy so many times that everything that God has put inside of you diminishes in comparison to the devil. Sometimes I think our God is here and the devil is here. Because that's our perspective. That's okay. I'm going to tell you how to change your perspective. I'm not going to leave you hanging. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Your life is supposed to be the gospel. If you never quote a scripture to anybody. If you never bring a single person to church. This is the good news, y'all. This transformation right here. Can anybody see it? Can you see it? Because if people can't see that transformation on your life, then maybe it's time to get reborn again. Maybe it's time to have another salvation experience and return to your first love. I'm not judging you, but he will. Y'all laughing. This is operational kingdom stuff here. This was his whole point. He said, I'm rescuing you so you can rescue your brothers and sisters. I'm not going to come and do it for you. I have given it to you. It's your responsibility to bring my kingdom to earth. Have you lost your passion? Have you forgotten your story? Has it been that long? Have you ever had a passion to share your story? <laughs> Come on, man. Romans 10, 14 says, how are they going to know that they can call on him if we don't tell them? How are they ever going to know that this is available? Who's going to tell them? 
well, I guess Tim and I will just go all throughout Minden. And We don't have the sphere of influence that you have. You're going to encounter people that we're never going to encounter. What are you doing for the kingdom with the talent that he's put inside of you? All right, can we go deeper? Okay, so if the talents represent giftings and anointings, uh-oh. Most people would say, well, you know, I don't have any kind of giftings or anointings. You have the Holy Ghost? Because this is a Holy Ghost-filled church, right? Last time I checked, Holy Ghost. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, okay, because I was a cop, and you can't convince me of anything without evidence, all right, so that's just my mindset. So you got to have the evidence of speaking in tongues. If you don't have the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, then come up here after service, and you're going to get it. You want it? It's a free gift. It's yours. You'll have it today. But if you have it, you also have giftings and anointings. You can't separate the two. If the Holy Ghost is in you, come on, he is not barren in you. There are giftings and anointings in you. You may not have discovered them yet. You may have rejected them. You may have abandoned them. Come on. You may have spoken word curses over them. But they are still there and they are dormant and they are waiting to spring to life. It's his good pleasure. Amen? So, what kills that in you? Can we talk about why we bury the talent? How about competition? How about comparison? How about we just always look at what other people are moving in, how their anointing operates, what gift things they anoint, they're, they're anointed to operate in, and we compare that to where we are, and we just totally shut down because we're like, eh, I'm never going to do that. I'll never be that. I just ain't got that in me. Right? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Don't raise your hand. It's okay. Some people would say, well, you know, I just don't know how. Well, you know, I think that there's plenty of information out there. There are classes. There are books. You got leadership here that would be more than happy, come on, to steward the gift in you. But I'm going to tell you, they're not going to go to you. When, uh, when, when I got so radical about Jesus because the devil was trying to kill me, and I decided that I'd had enough and there had to be an answer, and I got radically saved. I can remember we weren't in a big church, probably about, what, 150 people most at the most. And I remember telling Tim, I'm like, man, you know, my pastor don't even know who I am. You know what I'm saying? He don't know what I believe. He don't know where my heart is. I said, we need to meet with him. And so I remember, I remember this little country church, you know, and, and uh, my pastor was like, y'all, y'all, come on in, come on in. Well, he says, well, Sister Shannon, what's on your mind? I'm like, well, I just wanted to tell you, you know, what the Lord's been doing in my life. You know, what I, who I feel like I am in him, right? And he said, well, okay, all right. He says, so where do you see yourself in five years? I said, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, cleansing lepers. And he laughed. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Come on. I said, you don't understand, see, because I see it. I want it. 
I'm going after it. So because you're my pastor, you need to know where my heart is. You need to know so that you can steward that in me. You need to know because I need to figure this out. And you're my authority, so uh, let's run. Right? But he wasn't going to come to me and say, hey, how are you doing today? What's the Lord been telling it's not his job to do that. It's my job to say, look, here I am. Use me. Come on. I'm part of this kingdom scenario. I got something to offer. I've met Jesus. I want to serve him. Amen. Mm-mm-mm. Well, you know, I- I'm just not sure about my giftings and anointings. I'm just not sure. You know, there's nobody I got to mentor me. I just, I don't know. I don't understand. I'm kind of confused. Guess what? We have a counselor on staff, 24-7, 365. He's the Holy Ghost. I was accidentally casting out demons. Y'all laughing, but it's true. I didn't know nothing from nothing. All I knew was that it was either all true or none of it was true. And if it was all true, I wasn't living in death anymore, y'all. I got reborn again. See, because I got saved. And about two years later, I got so sick of an apathetic dead church where nobody was looking like they was doing anything for the Lord, where they was just coming in the service and going home, writing a check. Come on. And I remember trying to be like I was on fire, y'all. I was like, man, let's do this. Let's do this outreach. Come on, let's go evangelize the street. Let's go. People are like, oh, you're so cute. Yeah, just, just, just calm down. It'll be all right. It'll be, you'll be all right. You'll calm down after a while. You'll fit right in. No, literally. I was told that. And I got offended. Come on. I did. And I said, well, God, you must not be real. I don't see you. This must be my imagination going on right here. Because certainly if this is your church and this is how it's supposed to look, then I'm the one that's missing it. And I backslid. And I went back into the world. Because at least the world was real. Come on. Be true. And then the devil tried to kill me and I got radically saved and reborn, born again, and everything changed in my life. And that's the end of that story. Okay? By his grace. The master requires that you do something with your talent. I didn't write it. He wrote it. He's put a requirement on you. Because you represent his kingdom. Nobody drug you in here and forced you to say the sinner's prayer outside of your will. You voluntarily said, Jesus, come and be the Lord of my life. Boom. Kingdom rep right here. And then he said, go make disciples. Go represent my kingdom. I've given you talent or talents to do it. So let's talk about why we bury our talents, shall we? And everybody said, woohoo, yeah, I can't wait to hear it. All right. Well, maybe because we've never been taught those kingdom operations include you. Maybe we've always been taught that, you know, it's the pastor and his staff that are, that are supposed to, you know, be kingdom builders. It's not truth. 
Every single one of us have a sphere of influence and we're responsible for that sphere of influence. We're responsible for everything the Lord has put inside of us. You are the voice that needs to be heard out there. Maybe we're waiting for the pastor to anoint us or ordain us. Maybe we're waiting for him to see what's in us and acknowledge it so we can feel qualified to do it. When the truth is, he can't not see when you're bringing lost people in every Sunday. It's not about a title, folks. Just do the stuff. You're not doing it for him. If you're doing it for him, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. We've been teaching these classes all over the state. I had a laugh the other day because uh, we, we went to this class. It was like the second to last class. We teach on the prophetic, right? And the whole point of the prophetic, the whole point of being prophetic for the kingdom. And this lady said, you know, I was just praying for you. And I was asking the Holy Spirit, what is her gift? What is her office? And I, you know, and he just was like, she does so many things. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need a title. I just need to be available. It doesn't matter. I could preach. I could teach. I can evangelize. I can prophesy. Come on. I don't know about pastoring. <laughs> I, I, I could pastor as long as I got the rod. You know what I'm saying? But, but, you know, we have a ministry. We have people that come alongside of us. So we do pastor. We shepherd. We protect. We raise them up. We teach them. We counsel them, right? Stop looking at a, a, a title as being your identity in him. The title doesn't give you identity. He's already given you identity. You just don't know what it is. Can we talk about that? Okay, good. I'm glad. You know, one of the toughest obstacles to overcome to do anything for the kingdom is rejection. Fear. Right? Fear of man, fear of failure, fear of the past, fear of the future, fear of rejection, fear of reputation. You know, and out of all of the emotions the Lord gave us, he said, be angry and sin not. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus was filled with compassion, right? And on and on and on. The only thing that he said he didn't give us was fear. He said, I didn't give you that. Stay away from that because that ain't me. Right? Fear is just a negative meditation. We, we word curse ourselves so bad, it's amazing we can do anything for the kingdom. Well, I'll never. Well, I just can't. No, you can't. It ain't about you. You left that behind when you got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now you can. Because he can. Stop making it about you because it's just an excuse. Oh, ouch, that hurt. Or what about when circumstances drive us down into that pit of hopelessness or defeat? And what do we start doing? We start blaming God. We start blaming Him. And I'm thankful because in my life, every time I hit that place, it's a catalyst for me. It's just a catalyst for me to go hard and fast after the throat of the enemy. We just, I think it's a different perspective, right? Can we get a different perspective about things? Because Jesus said it. He said, in this life, you're going to have trials and tribulation, but I've overcome it. And then he said, I I've given you everything you need to overcome it too. 
Oh, do we believe that? Because it's either all true or none of it's true. Right? Come on, y'all. Jordan, stop laughing at me. What about this? Okay, so we overanalyze it. Well, I know I'm called to teach. I know I'm called to preach. I know I'm called to evangelize. But, you know, I got to get my little, I got to get my script right here. I, I, I got to get it all, I got to get it right. What if I mess it up? What, what, if, what if I say something and it's not scripturally accurate? What if, what if somebody challenges what I say? Come on, y'all, man, stop analyzing it. Stop analyzing it. Just do something. The Holy Ghost in you loves the innocence. He loves the purity of your compassion for him. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He ain't leaving you hanging out there. Come on. I didn't know nothing, y'all. I knew nothing about deliverance, period. I couldn't find a mentor. Then I found the Holy Ghost. And he was right here. And he said, ask her this. Do that. And when I'd get my butt handed to me, He'd say, so, what did you do wrong? And he'd tell me, oh, you can't get a better counselor than that, y'all. Because he knows everything that's going on in the spirit realm. And we don't fight against flesh and blood. We got to get that relationship thing going on, y'all. We're wasting time. Some of you guys are bruised up bare knuckles from all of this fighting when God's just saying, will you just sit down and rest? Can you just sit for a minute? I got the answer. See, he's given us each a measure of faith. Every one of us has been given a measure of faith. What you do with that thing determines how much faith you're going to have. And I'll tell you right now, your level of faith will increase as you go. Because there's an experiential knowledge of God that you will only obtain. Come on, Jim Hockaday, right? He, I had already said it, Greg. He stole that from me. But it'll only come. Love you, Jim, if you're watching. It'll only come from your experience in him. If you never pray for the sick, you'll never know what it's like for people to get healed from your prayers. If you never stand face to face with the witch and say, you call on your God, I'll call on mine. And the God who's greater is going to answer by fire. You'll never know if he's going to answer by fire. We get so freaked out when people buy Nike shoes with a little drop of blood in them. I'm like, put them on and come on in. At least I can identify you easy. I ain't got to use discernment. And then what are we going to do? Go, ooh, Ooh, stay away from him. No, man, come here. Let me talk to you. How you doing? Tell me about them shoes, bro. Well, we're supposed to occupy. Is it your territory or not? Are you going to take that territory from him or not? And the devil's like constantly beating you over the head, right? Saying, look what I could do. Look, flexing my muscles. It's like, no, man, it's time to stand up. Get your talent up out of the ground where you buried it. And start using it. You might be a little surprised that your God is bigger than you think he is. You know, what you do in the natural, your job, whatever it is that you do, is in direct correlation to who he created you to be in the spirit. Think about that for a minute. Just think about it. 
I could name occupations that are obvious, but I don't know what it is that you do, but you need to see yourself in the spirit realm doing that junk. Whether you're a nurturer, raising babies, a teacher, a nurse, a doctor, come on. Whether you're a landscaper, come on, you're planting. There's something about it, just like your tats, right? There's a reason you got those tattoos where you got them, and we ain't going to go into that. But God is omniscient. He knew before you ever got into that thing. Everything that God brought me through, he, he was sculpting. He was using it because he knew where I was going. He put me in a position of authority. He taught me how to teach. Come on. And then he said, yeah, walk away from that because I got kingdom things for you to do. The problem with this servant, when he buried his talent, was because he had a false belief system about the father. He said, I knew you were a hard taskmaster. I knew you'd be disappointed in me if I failed. I knew that I would let the kingdom down. I knew all of heaven was going to fall down and tear apart and crack open and hit the earth in pieces if I messed up. He had a false belief system that if God took you to it, he wasn't going to take you through it. That the talent he gave him wasn't enough to multiply itself. It wasn't good enough to put out there in the world and watch it replicate and watch it reproduce. He had a false belief system like a lot of us do about the father. He's not like our natural daddy. He's not disappointed in us. He's not going to condemn us or reject us or abandon us. Come on, y'all. He's not going to say, well, you know, you didn't do it good enough, so you're on your own next time. What are we going to do to rectify this? Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's his good pleasure to be with you on assignment. It's his good pleasure to multiply things at your hand. It's his good pleasure that no matter what you do, when you do it for him, fruit is going to remain. It don't have to be perfect. Come on, y'all. Y'all don't even know me. Y'all don't know what my life looked like. Y'all don't know what my life looks like now. But I'll tell you what, I'm surrendered to whatever he wants to do. Whatever he wants to do. And because I'm surrendered, when I go, I see things that most, probably 99% of people that call themselves Christians will never see. They'll never see it. And that provokes me to keep going. It's not the miracles, the signs, the wonders. All those things are awesome. But it's the idea that he could use me, come on, y'all, to impact somebody else's life. Hey, nobody. And he trusts me with that. Why? Because I said, okay. And he said, well, if you go, I'll put my words in your mouth. And some of them might even make sense. And people will be provoked. And that's why I do what I do. Why do you do what you do? 
Is there something that you should be doing that you're not? Today's a day to really do a, a heart search, right? Are, are you more occupied with what's going on in life than you are with what's going on in the kingdom? Because at any given moment in time, we're serving one kingdom or another. There's no gray area, folks. Man, I, people have come down so hard on me about that. And the Holy Spirit said, let me show you something. He said, it's great because it's a little bit mucked up. It's a little bit dirty. And when people say, well, you know, God just gives me grace and my humanity in that place where my will isn't submitted, where I'm just going to do what makes me happy and, he, and I'm just going to repent and go back to it. Come on. God just gives me grace. No, he doesn't. That gray area is where the devil operates. Grace comes in when we push past the gray and start pushing over into the light. That's where grace comes. That's where his unmerited favor comes in and, and gives you the ability to overcome. Grace does not dwell in that place of apathy. He said, if you lukewarm, I just soon spit you out. If you don't have a passion for the kingdom, you're going to bury your talent. Let me say that again. If you don't have a passion for, your, for the kingdom, whatever he's given you, you're going to bury it. And you're going to think you're okay because you come to church every Sunday. And you're a good person. And you pay your tithes. But the ten foolish virgins made the same mistake. The oil is your responsibility. And then when we get to the sheep and the goats, which nobody wants to hear about, and we stand before him. Gosh, this is heavy. But I love you today. And I love the lost. And I'm not going to do it all. And they're not going to do it all. And these folks back here aren't going to do it all. Every one of us has got to stand up and make a difference in the earth. Every single one of us, whether it's at your work, whether it's in your home, whether it's right here in the sanctuary, there's something that you have to do with your talent. Y'all stand up for me. When Jesus was talking to them, about the sheep and the goats he said something that is so foundationally true to who we're supposed to be even as human beings he said you didn't even feed the hungry you didn't even clothe the ones that needed to be clothed or visit the ones that were in prison come on y'all even the unsaved do that and here we are Looking to be more than the next guy in the kingdom, right? Why? 
We don't need to be more. We just need to be something. So I'm just going to pray.